Part three, section thirty two of the Maine Woods by Henry David Thoreau. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part three, the Allegash and East Branch, section thirty two. We spent at least half the time in walking today, and the walking was as bad as usual, for the Indian being alone commonly ran down far below the foot of the carries before he waited for us the carry paths themselves were more than usually indistinct often the route being revealed only by the countless small holes in the fallen timber made by the tacks in the driver's boots or where there was a slight trail we did not find it it was a tangled and perplexing thicket through which we stumbled and threaded our way and when we had finished a mile of it our starting point seemed far away we were glad that we had not got to walk to bangor along the banks of this river which would be a journey of more than a hundred miles think of the denseness of the forest the fallen trees and rocks the windings of the river the streams emptying in and the frequent swamps to be crossed it made you shudder yet the indian from time to time pointed out to us where he had thus crept along day after day when he was a boy of ten and in a starving condition he had been hunting far north of this with two grown indians the winter came on unexpectedly early and the ice compelled them to leave their canoe at grand lake and walk down the bank they shouldered their furs and started for oldtown the snow was not deep enough for snowshoes or to cover the inequalities of the ground polis was soon too weak to carry any burden but he managed to catch one otter this was the most they all had to eat on this journey and he remembered how good the yellow lily roots were made into a soup with the otter oil he shared this food equally with the other two but being so small he suffered much more than they he waded through the matawamkeg at its mouth when it was freezing cold and came up to his chin and he being very weak and emaciated expected to be swept away the first house which they reached was at lincoln and thereabouts they met a white teamster with supplies who seeing their condition gave them as much of his load as they could eat for six months after getting home he was very low and did not expect to live and was perhaps always the worse for it we could not find much more than half of this day's journey on our maps the map of the public lands of maine and massachusetts and colton's railroad and township map of maine which copies the former by the maps there was not more than fifteen miles between camps at the outside and yet we had been busily progressing all day and much of the time very rapidly for seven or eight miles below that succession of grand falls the aspect of the banks as well as the character of the stream was changed after passing a tributary from the northeast perhaps bolin stream we had good swift smooth water with a regular slope such as i have described low grassy banks and muddy shores began many elms as well as maples and more ash trees overhung the stream and supplanted the spruce my lily roots having been lost when the canoe was taken out at a carry i landed late in the afternoon at a low and grassy place amid maples to gather more it was slow work grubbing them up amid the sand and the mosquitoes were all the while feasting on me mosquitoes black flies etc pursued us in mid-channel and we were glad sometimes to get into violent rapids for then we escaped them a red-headed woodpecker flew across the river and the indian remarked that it was good to eat 
as we glided swiftly down the inclined plane of the river a great cat owl launched itself away from a stump on the bank and flew heavily across the stream and the indian as usual imitated its note soon the same bird flew back in front of us and we afterwards passed it perched on a tree soon afterward a white-headed eagle sailed down the stream before us we drove him several miles while we were looking for a good place to camp for we expected to be overtaken by a shower and still we could distinguish him by his white tail sailing away from time to time from some tree by the shore still farther down the stream some shikorways being surprised by us a part of them dived and we passed directly over them and could trace their course here and there by a bubble on the surface but we did not see them come up polis detected once or twice what he called a tow road an indistinct path leading into the forest in the meanwhile we passed the mouth of the Seboyus on our left this did not look so large as our stream which was indeed the main one it was some time before we found a camping-place for the shore was either too grassy and muddy where mosquitoes abounded or too steep a hillside the indians said that there were but few mosquitoes on a steep hillside we examined a good place where somebody had camped a long time but it seemed pitiful to occupy an old site where there was so much room to choose so we continued on we at length found a place to our minds on the west bank about a mile below the mouth of the Seboyus, where in a very dense spruce wood above a gravelly shore there seemed to be but few insects the trees were so thick that we were obliged to clear a space to build our fire and lie down in and the young spruce trees that were left were like the wall of an apartment rising around us we were obliged to pull ourselves up a steep bank to get there but the place which you have selected for your camp though never so rough and grim begins at once to have its attractions and becomes a very centre of civilization to you home is home be it never so homely it turned out that the mosquitoes were more numerous here than we had found them before and the indian complained a good deal though he lay as the night before between three fires in his stretched hide as i sat on a stump by the fire with a veil and gloves on trying to read he observed i make you candle and in a minute he took a piece of birch bark about two inches wide and rolled it hard like an alumet fifteen inches long lit it and fixed it by the other end horizontally in a split stick three feet high stuck it in the ground turning the blazing end to the wind and telling me to snuff it from time to time it answered the purpose of a candle pretty well i noticed as i had done before that there was a lull among the mosquitoes about midnight and that they began again in the morning nature is thus merciful but apparently they need rest as well as we few if any creatures are equally active all night as soon as it was light i saw through my veil that the inside of the tent about our heads was quite blackened with myriads each one of their wings when flying as has been calculated vibrating some three thousand times in a minute and their combined hum was almost as bad to endure as their stings i had an uncomfortable night on this account though i am not sure that one succeeded in his attempt to sting me we did not suffer so much from insects on this excursion as the statements of some who have explored these woods in midsummer led us to anticipate yet i have no doubt that at some seasons and in some places they are a much more serious pest the jesuit hiron l'allemand of quebec reporting the death of father Rene menard who was abandoned 
lost his way and died in the woods among the ontarios near lake superior in sixteen sixty one dwells chiefly on his probable sufferings from the attacks of mosquitoes when too weak to defend himself adding that there was a frightful number of them in those parts and so insupportable says he that the three frenchmen who have made that voyage affirm that there was no other means of defending oneself but to run always without stopping and it was even necessary for two of them to be employed in driving off these creatures while the third wanted to drink otherwise he could not have done it i have no doubt that this was said in good faith august first i caught two or three large red chivin lucissus pulchellus early this morning within twenty feet of the camp which added to the moose tongue that had been left in the kettle boiling overnight and to our other stores made a sumptuous breakfast the indian made us some hemlock tea instead of coffee and we were not obliged to go as far as china for it indeed not quite so far as for the fish this was tolerable though he said it was not strong enough it was interesting to see so simple a dish as a kettle of water with a handful of green hemlock sprigs in it boiling over the huge fire in the open air the leaves fast losing their lively green colour and know that it was for our breakfast we were glad to embark once more and leave some of the mosquitoes behind we had passed the wasatiquoyuk without perceiving it this according to the indian is the name of the main east branch itself and not properly applied to this small tributary alone as on the maps we found that we had camped about a mile above hunts which is on the east bank and is the last house for those who ascend katahdin on this side we had expected to ascend it from this point but my companion was obliged to give up this on account of sore feet the indian however suggested that perhaps he might get a pair of moccasins at this place and that he could walk very easily in them without hurting his feet wearing several pairs of stockings and he said beside that they were so porous that when you had taken in water it all drained out again in a little while we stopped to get some sugar but found that the family had moved away and the house was unoccupied except temporarily by some men who were getting the hay they told me that the road to katahdin left the river eight miles above also that perhaps we could get some sugar at fisk's fourteen miles below i do not remember that we saw the mountain at all from the river i noticed a seine here stretched on the bank which probably had been used to catch salmon just below this on the west bank we saw a moose hide stretched and with it a bearskin which was comparatively very small i was the more interested in this sight because it was near here that a townsman of ours then quite a lad and alone killed a large bear some years ago the indian said that they belonged to joe Etienne, my last guide but how he told i do not know he was probably hunting near and had left them for the day finding that we were going directly to old town he regretted that he had not taken more of the moose meat to his family saying that in a short time by drying it he could have made it so light as to have brought away the greater part leaving the bones we once or twice inquired after the lip which is a famous tidbit but he said that go old town for my old woman don't get it every day maples grew more and more numerous it was lowering and rained a little during the forenoon and as we expected a wedding we stopped early and dined on the east side of a small expansion of the river just above what are probably called whetstone falls about a dozen miles below hunts there were pretty fresh moose tracks by the waterside there were singular long ridges hereabouts called horsebacks 
covered with ferns my companion having lost his pipe asked the indian if he could not make him one oh you're said he and in a minute rolled up one of birch bark telling him to wet the bowl from time to time here also he left his gazette on a tree we carried round the falls just below on the west side the rocks were on their edges and very sharp the distance was about three-fourths of a mile when we had carried over one load the indian returned by the shore and i by the path and though i made no particular haste i was nevertheless surprised to find him at the other end as soon as i it was remarkable how easily he got along over the worst ground he said to me i take canoe and you take the rest suppose you can keep along with me i thought that he meant that while he ran down the rapids i should keep along the shore and be ready to assist him from time to time as i had done before but as the walking would be very bad i answered i suppose you will go too fast for me but i will try but i was to go by the path he said this i thought would not help the matter i should have so far to go to get to the riverside when he wanted me but neither was this what he meant he was proposing a race over the carry and asked me if i thought i could keep along with him by the same path adding that i must be pretty smart to do it as his load the canoe would be much the heaviest and bulkiest though the simplest i thought that i ought to be able to do it and said that i would try so i proceeded to gather up the gun axe paddle kettle frying pan plates dippers carpets etc etc and while i was thus engaged he threw me his cowhide boots what are these in the bargain i asked oh you said he but before i could make a bundle of my load i saw him disappearing over a hill with a canoe on his head so hastily scraping the various articles together i started on the run and immediately went by him in the bushes but i had no sooner left him out of sight in a rocky hollow than the greasy plates dippers etc took to themselves wings and while i was employed in gathering them up again he went by me but hastily pressing the sooty kettle to my side i started once more and soon passing him again i saw him no more on the carry i do not mention this as anything of a feat for it was but poor running on my part and he was obliged to move with great caution for fear of breaking his canoe as well as his neck when he made his appearance puffing and panting like myself in answer to my inquiries where he had been he said rocks locks cut em feet and laughing added oh me love to play sometimes he said that he and his companions when they came to carries several miles long used to try who would get over first each perhaps with a canoe on his head i bore the sign of the kettle on my brown linen sack for the rest of the voyage we made a second carry on the west side around some falls about a mile below this on the mainland were norway pines indicating a new geological formation and it was such a dry and sandy soil as we had not noticed before as we approached the mouth of the east branch we passed two or three huts the first sign of civilization after hunts though we saw no road as yet we heard a cow-bell and even an infant held up to a small square window to see us pass but apparently the infant and the mother that held it were the only inhabitants then at home for several miles this took the wind out of our sails reminding us that we were travellers surely while it was a native of the soil and had the advantage of us conversation flagged i would only hear the indian perhaps ask my companion you load my pipe he said that he smoked alder bark for medicine on entering the west branch at nicketow it appeared much larger than the east polis remarked that the former was all gone and lost now 
that it was all smooth water hence to old town and he threw away his pole which was cut on the umbazookskus thinking of the rapids he said once or twice that you wouldn't catch him to go east branch again but he did not by any means mean all that he said things are quite changed since i was here eleven years ago where there were but one or two houses i now found quite a village with sawmills and a store the latter was locked but its contents were so much the more safely stored and there was a stage road to matawamkeg and the rumour of a stage indeed a steamer had ascended thus far once when the water was very high but we were not able to get any sugar only a better shingle to lean our backs against we camped about two miles below nicketow on the south side of the west branch covering with fresh twigs the withered bed of a former traveller and feeling that we were now in a settled country especially when in the evening we heard an ox sneeze in its wild pasture across the river wherever you land along the frequented part of the river you have not far to go to find these sites of temporary inns the weathered bed of flattened twigs the charred sticks and perhaps the tent poles and not long since similar beds were spread along the connecticut the hudson and the delaware and longer still ago by the thames and seine and they now help to make the soil where private and public gardens mansions and palaces are we could not get fir twigs for our bed here and the spruce was harsh in comparison having more twig in proportion to its leaf but we improved it somewhat with hemlock the indian remarked as before must have hard wood to cook moose meat as if that were a maxim and proceeded to get it my companion cooked some in california fashion winding a long string of the meat round a stick and slowly turning it in his hand before the fire it was very good but the indian not approving of the mode or because he was not allowed to cook it his own way would not taste it after the regular supper we attempted to make a lily soup of the bulbs which i had brought along for i wished to learn all i could before i got out of the woods following the indian's directions for he began to be sick i washed the bulbs carefully minced some moose meat and some pork salted and boiled all together but we had not patience to try the experiment fairly for he said it must be boiled till the roots were completely softened so as to thicken the soup like flour but though we left it on all night we found it dried to the kettle in the morning and not yet boiled to a flour perhaps the roots were not ripe enough for they commonly gather them in the fall as it was it was palatable enough but it reminded me of the irishman's limestone broth the other ingredients were enough alone the indian's name for these bulbs was sheepnock stirred the soup by accident with a striped maple or moosewood stick which i had peeled and he remarked that its bark was an emetic he prepared to camp as usual between his moosehide and the fire but it beginning to rain suddenly he took refuge under the tent with us and gave us a song before falling asleep it rained hard in the night and spoiled another box of matches for us which the indian had left out for he was very careless but as usual we had so much the better night for the rain since it kept the mosquitoes down end of part three section thirty two recording by expatriate in bangor maine